John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, hot, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity, infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole the same said unto me, Take up thy bed, and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed, and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You may be seated. Greetings in the name of Jesus. Bring you greetings from the Cornerstone Congregation. It's a blessing to be here. I am grateful and indebted to this church for the ones, especially here, who had a vision of, of reaching out. You know, I had to think about this week as I was preparing for the message, 
how far your efforts and prayers have gone, and I don't think I can name them all. Um, the blessing that out of this church has created in Western PA and has moved on from there. So I want to, I bless you this morning for that, for your part. And there's a part of me, yes, this is home yet. This is where I grew up. And yet, for 19 years, we haven't lived here. This morning, the title of the message is Redemption and Healing. My question is for myself and each one of us, are we experiencing the beauty of redemption? Now this message is a series of messages, and so I don't have time to balance it with the beauty of judgment and some of the other topics, but I hope it whets your appetite, and I will not be able to cover it all here in this 40 minutes. My prayer for each one here is that we would go home this week, today, that we would be able to live in gratitude for the redemption of Jesus Christ, that we could experience the beauty of redemption in our lives. I want you to see this morning the beauty of redemption, the ransom that Jesus paid for you and me. The desire to take up your bed and walk. Even if it is countercultural, even if it is the Sabbath day, that you would be healed. In this story that we read, there was this man that was sick for 38 years. And Jesus comes along and he says, he asks a, we would say a dumb question. Would you be whole? Do you want to be healed? Now this man was, I don't know if he was on this bed for 38 years or how he lived his life these 38 years. But I imagine that this bed was somewhat of a security for him. This has become part of my life. And Jesus comes along, take control of this thing. Pick it up and walk away with it. Be healed. Do I want to be healed this morning? I believe all of us physically we want to be healed. And I believe God allows that. But I'm talking about emotionally and spiritually. Do I want to be healed? Now we might say that's a dumb question. And yet my question is. Are we stuck with this thing for 38 years that we don't want to let go? And what I find interesting is, this man didn't even know who healed him at first. Jesus had to come back to him. Sometimes I wonder, do we understand what healing and redemption words come from? And what it took for me to experience redemption and healing? You know, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And this man got flack for it. Because he was haul carrying this bed around on the Sabbath. And you know, sometimes I think that in our selfishness, we want to even time things how God should do things in our lives. When he should allow this and when he should bring healing and how this should all work. This man didn't really have that option. But he did have a choice. 
He was asked the question, do you want to be healed? And I believe each one of us this morning need to make a choice whether you want to allow God to continue to heal you through his redeeming blood. Or are we going to continue through life and believe the lies that Satan brings to us? We have that choice. Now, we talk about healing. We talk about redemption. I think we need to back up and look, about, uh, look at the state of sin. You know, why do we need healing? I think there are some people that don't realize that they need healing. We need to somehow understand and get a picture of the ransom that was paid. Somehow, can I look back and see the darkness that I was in? Can I see where that darkness was taking me of death? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do we remember what that pain felt like? Do we remember the insecurity that it brought on Monday mornings after a weekend, the empty feeling of, what did I do all weekend? Did I miss the sermon on Sunday? Was I listening? Was I paying attention what God was trying to tell, to, tell me? That pain, that of insecurity, of not belonging. Yes, it is a death and life situation here. And for young people and for all of us, Whatever we are involved in, if, if, if we're involved in sin, let's remember that the best the world has to offer is death. And think about that. We can go after whatever out there. It may look beautiful. It may look attractive. But the end result is death. And what is the definition of death? It's a separation from God. And think about life without any good, without any kindness. That is death. A separation from God. That's what we were redeemed from. Are we living in that? In the beauty of redemption, that healing. Do we remember living in a state of no hope? No promise of life. If I would die today, I might not make it. We don't need to live that way as redeemed people. And as we think of condemnation, I think it's sobering to think about that there are men and women living in darkness because they have chosen to stay in darkness. John 3.19 talks about them. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light 
because their deeds were evil. They got attached to that bed. They didn't accept the healing from Jesus Christ. This morning we are redeemed because we chose to respond to Christ's call. And now we can walk after the Spirit. Romans 8.1 talks about, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And my prayer is that we would learn what it is to live in the Spirit, that we would learn, that we would see the beauty of redemption and walk in it. And so if we talk about redemption this morning, I'm talking about being freed from sin, but also being freed from spiritual sickness. What is redemption? In Ephesians 1, verse 6 through 8, it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. So quit trying to make it happen and accept it. In whom we have redemption or a ransom paid in full through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded. Notice the abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Jesus said in John 5, 24, we read the passage here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That's the opposite of that death, that separation that we talked about. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. The redemption of Jesus Christ. And to live in that. And we understand to live in that. John 4, 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one way through that, and that it's accepting Jesus. It's not of my works. It's not of my efforts. You know, the humanness of us, we want to work for it. We want to make it happen. We want to usually do it in our time and in our way. But in redemption, it's God that did it. He's asking you, do you want to be healed? Am I going to choose to accept that? And the encouragement in Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. My prayer is that we would get a picture of the beauty of redemption so that we're not entangled again with those addictions and the yoke of bondage and the lies of Satan that try to pull us down. And as I think of redemption, there's an acceptance into his body. There's a debt that we owe that was paid through the blood of Jesus. And we could go on to describe what all Jesus went through. The shame, the suffering, 
so that we could live in freedom. John MacArthur would say that redemption is an act of God by which he himself pays as a ransom the price of human sin which has outraged his holiness. Redemption is a price. He paid a price to free somebody from bondage. And it's not until a person recognizes his own sin that he seeks to be bought out of slavery and that he offers himself to Jesus by his blood that was poured out he paid the price he paid the ransom and he offers us the purchase price he offered his blood the purchase price to buy us back from the slavery of sin now let's back up and look at redemption in the beginning. You know, God spoke to Satan there in Genesis 3.15. After Adam and Eve have taste, had tasted the fruit. And God comes back and says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan may have been saying, I have turned Adam and Eve. I have turned the human race against God. But God comes back and says, I'm going to turn the human race against you, Satan. God, in that statement, denied Satan the rule of the world. God's plan enables man, gives man the power in his sinful condition, in his fallen condition, to be totally transformed, that he will hate the serpent, Satan, and love God. And can we get a hold of that picture? The beauty of that. You know, Adam and Eve chose to believe a lie. They chose to doubt God and believe Satan. God tells Satan there will be enmity, hatred, hostility, not only between you and the woman, but between your seed and her seed, between the unbelievers and the believers. So the battle goes on between the redeemed and the unconverted today. And so we see redemption beginning in Genesis with a promise of a redeemer. And then in verse 20, her name is Eve because she was the mother of all living. There's life here. And the New Testament speaks of redemption as a new birth. In the prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, it speaks of having a new heart. So we look at Genesis 3. How many of you enjoy that chapter? There's something about when I read Genesis 3, there's something in here just tightens up. They believed a lie. There's something of an anger within me says, if only Satan would have bugged off. And why in the world did God allow the serpent to approach Eve? 
And then I asked myself, how would have I responded if I would have been Eve or Adam? I mean, really, they lived in a perfect world. They trusted everything they knew. So why not believe? So then, you know, before everything was all trust, there was all honesty, there was all truth here. Then the next question is, did God have to go to plan B because of what happened? And I think most of us would answer no. And so with that answer, it brings out a beauty of redemption that God had designed from the creation of the world. Something, can I say, more beautiful. The beauty of redemption. And I don't know if I can go as far to say that redemption is more beautiful than creation. And yet, there's a free choice here. There's something that God designed. And I think I get stuck back there sometimes. And I tend to blame Eve for how I'm living. Or I tend to blame God for allowing it. And I forget that there might be something more beautiful right here in my heart. And enjoy and live in that instead of living way back there and just spinning through life in my same little hole. And I have two earthly examples here of redemption, and I don't know if they do justice. But I have to think of the old cars. Now, you older men here, Daniel, how much did you pay for your first car? What were new cars worth like then? The one I drove for 21 years cost me less than $1,500. $1,500. And if you would still have that car, and you would have taken care of that, what would it be worth? There's one close by here for 8500 Okay. And so we see, you know, what happened? And so when we restore some of these old vehicles, some of them are hitting six digits. And there, there's no way they were worth that back then. And I look at my life. In the redemption, I think there's something more beautiful here. And then I look at the other one. And I've asked them to put on the screen here. You know, some time ago, I learned about a Japanese pottery called Kintsugi. And if you can put that on the screen here, we'll look at that. Normally, when a bull or a teapot or some precious vase falls and breaks into thousands of pieces, we throw them away angrily. And regretfully. But there's an alternate alternative here. The Japanese have something here that they practice that highlights and enhances the breaks, thus adding value to this broken object. The name there, kin means gold, tsugui means repair. 
And so there's something about this bowl when it breaks that it becomes more valuable when it's repaired. Now look at my life. When I see what Jesus Christ did in my heart, in my life, I think it's a lot more valuable than it was before. And can we grab a hold of that? Instead of sitting in the past and mauling over the hurts and the pains that have come into my life. And I believe I want to start there. To somehow find a way to cope with traumatic events in a positive way. I want to learn from the negative experience in my life. And take the best from them. And convince myself that these experiences make me more unique and more precious to bring honor and glory to God. And if we look at our lives, I've listened to a few of Brene Brown's series. In one of her series, she stated that my value comes from brokenness, not my perfection. So why do I want to put on so much and appear so perfect and so right. And you know there's something that screams within me. And says no way. That is not the way it should be. You know really. God you messed up my plans. You have messed up my life. But as I look back in my life. I see that God has a way of getting self out of the way. He has a way of molding me. Into something beautiful for his glory, if I allow him to. Something more beautiful. Jesus asks, wilt thou be whole? We have that choice. And when I think of brokenness, I think men of this church, I think of Aquilo Real when he was 70 years old, accepted Christ here. And I think the beauty of his life, and as we look back in his life and we see the ugliness that was in his life, and yet at 70 years, how God made something beautiful out of that man. We have all experienced hard things. Yeah, you know, I think about when we were in, Salvador, in El Salvador as missionaries. Things happened and I was like, God, this doesn't happen to missionaries. Didn't you send me here? Look what I have sacrificed. And yet I look back and I see how God used them to mold me into a better man for his glory and his honor. And I was able to experience some of that three weeks ago when we were there. There was some pain there, some emotions we had to deal with. And yet there was some beauty there. As we saw a young man who had become a Christian and we went back when he's 41 years old for his wedding, faithful in the church.
most, if not all of us, have experienced or are experiencing brokenness. Whether it's in sin or and self, or whether it's in broken relationships, sickness, discouragement, addictions, we could go on. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness or sickness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For where I am weak, then am I strong. Paul had a picture of this. A few verses before, he talked about his visions in heaven. Those are the things I want to hear about. But he didn't tell us about them. He told us about his brokenness because it brought glory to God. And I believe as I have looked back in my life and I see strong, stable men in the church of God. And I wonder how they get, got there and I look at their lives. And I look at what they went through. Do I want to go through that? Men who have gone through the fire responded to the redemption of Jesus Christ. And I have grown up in this congregation, and I know there are older men here that I look up to because of the way that they did life when rough times came. And I bless you for that. We are not perfect. But we have been broken. My value comes from responding to that in a godly way. What we are, not what we teach, will be passed on. And I believe that applies to the home and to the church. Here at Weavertown, you have a statement of faith of who you are. But really, it's what you do is what makes you that. It's not really what you wrote down and what you think you are. It's how you live it, and what you're doing. I'd like to move on as we look at redemption. Also, maybe back up here in First John, it talks about others will see the love of God by how we as a church love each other. As we talk about redemption, we want to talk about forgiveness also. I think forgiveness and redemption go hand in hand in Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is a grace that is based on the deep understanding that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. The longer we walk with God, I believe the more we realize how much the work on the cross that I needed in my life. And yet there's something comforting there to realize that God has accepted me. God has brought forgiveness. And so what happened back there? doesn't have to control me today. 
because of God's forgiveness and redemption. I can live in freedom. I don't have to be controlled by those hard times. The cross is enough for our most shameful sins. I have to think about David. When I think about forgiving myself, I think that has been the hardest in my life. I generally do not have a problem forgiving others. But there's a part of forgiving myself. You know, I'll never forget the day I cut my thumb. My hardest part was, I have used a school saw since I was 12 years old. At age, what was it, high 30s or 40s, I cut my thumb. How did that happen? Wayne, how can you be so ignorant? And there's that of trying to forgive yourself that I think we struggle with. But I look at David's life. A man who cried out to God in Psalm 51, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in the sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. David recognized that his sin was against God. He cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And I believe God answered that prayer. You know, there's something about David's life. As he went on through life, after his sin with Bathsheba, after he had committed adultery, what did David think of every time he saw Bathsheba? What did he think of every time he saw Solomon? This man was put to shame before a whole nation. There was a guilt there. Somehow David got beyond himself. Somehow David experienced the washing, the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. There were some really ugly consequences because of his sin. But can you imagine working alongside Solomon, preparing for a temple, working with him and handing your reign to him? Wouldn't have that brought back memories? Wouldn't have that made you spiral back into depression? I think David got a hold of his sin, his transgression. He got a hold of the redemption of Jesus Christ. We see David at the end of his life praising God. We see him moving on and winning some more battles. Somewhere he accepted forgiveness of God. That is what redemption does. It can make us more beautiful. David could have given up. But we see that he faced his sins. He acknowledged that he sinned before God. And he allowed God to cleanse him. To give him a clean heart. And I think of Paul. You know, he met Christ on the way to Damascus. I believe he experienced and lived in redemption. 
You know, how could Paul forgive himself for all those Christians that he persecuted? And all those children and every, those families that he wreaked havoc. Somehow Paul got beyond himself. And he established churches for Jesus Christ. And God turned Paul into someone beautiful to father his kingdom and his glory. Paul turned around and put his life in danger to serve the Redeemer because I think he understood redemption. And I believe, as Sean in his devotions, there are men out there that understand redemption, that see God, or they wouldn't be out there preaching and being persecuted. Then I think of Joseph, when I think of forgiving others. A man that was wronged by his brothers. Joseph was sold by his brothers. In today's world, Joseph had every right to be angry, to be bitter. I don't know if he had lawsuits back then or not. He could have sued his brothers for the way they treated him. And the story could have very well ended with him living on the streets, a drunkard because of bitterness, mistrust for others. But we see in Genesis 39 too, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptians. And after his father died, his brothers came to him and noticed his response. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Do you see the beauty of redemption? Do you see what could have happened and what did happen? Because someone saw God for who they were, for who he is. Somehow Joseph recognized it was God's work. He got beyond self. And we see him of all things taking care of his brothers. The ones who had, we would say, ruined his life. That's what I call ex extending forgiveness. That's what I call redemption in Jesus Christ. And as we look at redemption, we see the gratefulness and joy for what God has done for us. And I believe as children of God, can we be grateful for what God has done for us? In Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I believe there needs to be a redemption there to have that peace ruling in our hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. 2 Corinthians 4.15, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might 
through the thanksgiving of many redound or increase to the glory of God. There's something about redemption, gratefulness, increasing the glory of God. Can I get a picture of that in my life? You know, there's one thing that I heard recently that I wish I would have done in our home. Is there any way that after we eat a meal, that we could go around the table and each one of our children and each one of us would express gratefulness for something today? Would that create a more thankful heart in our lives, in our children's life? And another thing, as I think about, we have these prayer sheets where we pray for all the members in our church. And I've tried to make it a habit when I pray for somebody, one of our members, that I see something in them, a gift that God has given to our church to be thankful for them. You know, we all know it's a little hard to be thankful for just for everybody. And yet God placed us all together here to reveal his glory. Can we become grateful people? I think that goes along with understanding the redemption of Jesus Christ. And along with redemption, there's something happened here. As we accept Jesus as our Savior, belonging is a birthright for the redeemed. The world... There are many lonely people. I meet them all the time. But there's something about being redeemed. There's a belonging. There's a family. We are together. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We all want to belong, and especially children. There was a study done with fifth and sixth graders. Now, I think we have learned as parents that there's always this stage children feel out of place. They, they think everybody hates them. But in this study, you know, there's a child responding, and they say this has repeated itself among schools. This child came up and said, you know, it's hard not belonging in school, but it really hurts. Much worse not belonging in home, in the home. There's something about church. My prayer is that this would be a safe place. That we all belong here. Because we're redeemed. That's a part of redemption. Belonging to a family of God. The church, the body of God. It is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Lord himself. Do I see God this morning through redemption? Do I see God in this group together? As we work together. The question back to each one of us. Do I really want to be healed? 
Do I want to be redeemed? It's my choice. It's your choice. You know, I started with the story of Jesus asking the lame man or the sick man, Wilt thou be made whole? He had the choice to take control of that bed that was holding him there. And we see later, Jesus comes to him, findeth him in the temple and said, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. I don't know how we can encourage each one of us. Let's get beyond ourselves. There are, I believe, too many of us who are stuck in shame. We're stuck in brokenness. Because we only see ourselves. We can only see the hard times and the tough times. I've been there. But can I quit looking in the mirror? Quit seeing all the airs in my life. Quit drowning in it. Can I shift that focus and keep my eyes on God and the beauty of redemption, the beauty of what I have today? Remember, Jesus said, repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. I know there's a kingdom coming where Christ will reign, but I believe there's a part that we miss that it's already here in our hearts. Are we experiencing that or are we living in the past hurts? Are we enjoying the redemption? Are we enjoying the kingdom of God that is here, that has life everlasting versus what we see in the world that will end in total separation from God forever? Where am I? If you're redeemed in Christ this morning, you are beautiful. And I think the lesson goes the same to each one of us as it does to children. You know, our little children get pretty messy sometimes. And I think too often we have erred and came up to them and said, you are messy. I think we should be saying, you are beautiful, but you've made a mess. Do you get the difference? Sometimes we say, well, I'm just a mess. No, you're beautiful in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I made a mess. God will help me through that if I allow him to. And for my own life, as a human, as a man, you know, I try so hard. I try so hard to live in the freedom of Christ. I think I just need to let go sometimes. God, it's yours. Quit trying to do and let's be. Let's live in the kingdom of God. Let's live in the beauty of redemption. What difference would that make in my life and the lives of the congregation? I am, I tell people we're living in a world of chaos, the politics and so forth. We have opportunities like we have never had before. There are people searching. There are people looking. Do they see the redeemed living a life of redemption, of peace, of love, of holiness? You know, we have that promise of redemption, that future promise. 
of Christ there in Revelation 5, being worthy to take the book, being worthy, uh, worthy of getting rid of all sin and evil. And we will live in a world of peace, of love, no evil, no hurt, no pain. We have that to look forward to. But can we at least experience a part of that today? And enjoy the redemption that we have. Yeah, we've got the pains and hurts. But it may be to make us more beautiful. It may be to bring more glory to God. Again, do you want to be healed? Live in redemption. Live in the identity. Identify yourself with Christ. Do I love Christ? Do I embrace him as the Lord and Savior, the Redeemer? Or is Satan still holding me captive? And in that captivity, I'm wallowing in grief and hurt and my addictions and my sins. In that captivity, I'm not experiencing the beauty of redemption. I believe redemption portrays the beauty of God. We see love. We see compassion. We see belonging. We see forgiveness. We see life. We see hope. Is there joy and gratitude in my heart for God working in and through me? Again, I leave you with Jesus' words. Take up your bed and walk. Sit no more. Enjoy the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. Shall we kneel for prayer? Dear God, this morning we thank you and we bless you for the redemption of Jesus Christ. For the ransom that has been paid. I pray, Lord, that we would get self out of the way. That we would enjoy the beauty of redemption. That we would allow you to work through our hearts and our lives. To make us who you have called us to be. To bring honor and glory to you. I thank you for the congregation and each one here this morning. I pray your blessing on each one. And as we leave from here, may we think about, may we be grateful for what you have done for us. I pray that you would rid us, rid us of all sin, the captivity of Satan. That we would be no more slaves of his, but that we would experience your joy, your love, your belonging. Thank you for your love. We just commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.